Hello, and welcome to The Art of Aging, part of the Abundant Aging podcast series for United Church Homes. I'm Beth Long Higgins, director of the Ruth Frost Parker Center for Abundant Aging, and it is my joy to be able to host this conversation today. On the show, we look at what it means to age in America and in other places around the world with empowering conversations that challenge, encourage, and inspire us all to age with abundance. Our guest today is Dr. Leonardo Marchini. Leo is Professor and Chair of Preventative and Community Dentistry at the Iowa College of Dentistry and Dental Clinics. He is also President of the Special Care Dentistry Association. Leo teaches pre-doctoral students in the Geriatrics and Special Needs Program and treats patients in the faculty general practice. He also acts as a general practitioner with an emphasis in geriatric dentistry. Leo's current research focus includes geriatric dental and general health epidemiology and satisfaction of prosthodontic patients. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. Leo is also interested in researching about the best way to teach dentistry with particular interest again into geriatric dentistry teaching. Welcome, Leo. Thank you very much, Beth, for this wonderful introduction. I'm not sure if I deserve all that, but I am happy you did it. Oh, you deserved all of it. Just look at the uh, certificates behind you on the wall. <laughs> Thank you. I, I want to start here, Leo, by um, you just sharing with us a bit about your background. You've chosen to specialize your career in dentistry and what you describe as special care dentistry older people with disabilities. Why did you choose to focus your talents in this area? And this is an area I didn't even know existed. Yeah, it was very interesting because that happened during my journey in dentistry. So once I graduated from dental school, I always um, thought that I would like to teach. And I start by teaching prosthodontics, which is teaching dental students how to fabricate artificial teeth. So dentures, either partial or removable or, or partial or complete dentures, uh, crowns, bridges, over implants. And uh, I started teaching specifically complete dentures, which are, you know, the regular complete dentures that are still used today. And at the time I started doing that 25 years ago, that was primarily done for older adults. So we will have a cohort of older adult patients at the time. And I started gaining more interest in learning how those patients get used to dentures, what were the factors that were dictating their satisfaction to their dentures. So how could we improve the way we fabricate, the materials we use, and all that to get a better patient satisfaction? During that process, I started understanding a lot of the context that is around getting old, being old, aging, and how that influences multiple aspects of people's uh, lives, including those related to oral health. During that process also, a new cohort of older adults come into play, adults that would not need complete dentures anymore. They are keeping their teeth for life. And now we are able, now we are not only able, but we need to understand more complex oral health care needs of those older adults who at the same time are more medicated than ever, have more chronic diseases and are living for longer periods of time. So what was initially something very niche, very, you know, specific become much more complex, much more entailing and uh, requiring a much more uh, broad a spectrum of uh, healthcare disciplines to get involved. So interprofessional care came into play, discussing patient medications with pharmacists and other prescribers, as well as understanding some specific areas 
or of their general health become more important. And as it become more complex, I start reading and learning more about it. There, and also dentists and dental students start looking for more information about it. So I start teaching it. And then we started also noticing that our geriatric and special needs clinic, which initially were predominantly composed by geriatric, or we call geriatric, those frail older adults. Those adults that are aging gracefully, they don't need as much our help. They would be seen by their general practitioners. Given that, those general practitioners have little knowledge about their medications, possible impact in their oral health, and know a little bit about their chronic diseases. But those more frail, those are our focus. But in our clinic, that cohort started to change too, and and we start seeing more patients, more adults, young adults with special needs too. So adults with autism, with Down syndrome, with cerebral palsy that were able to thrive throughout their childhood and adolescence and now are being seen in our clinic, right? So, and that, of course, you we start seeing that those families have a really hard time, both for frail older adults and adults with special needs, to find providers in the community because dentistry was not preparing graduates to care for those populations. Well, there was, in fact, a few decades ago, as we have discussed, the need was not there. But now the need is becoming even more evident. And and therefore, we are offering that learning to our graduates and for postgraduate students too. And as you know, we start seeing how the families are grateful and how rewarding it is, it becomes a passion, right? It becomes more than just teaching and learning and all that. It becomes really something that we do with a lot of love and care. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was just, as you were talking, thinking of a dear friend of ours who lived with Down syndrome and he lived well into his 60s. And I realized, you know, through his family that that was an extraordinary long longevity for him and that folks are living longer with these previous, these conditions, which usually resulted in shorter lives. So yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Correct. And you know, Beth, what's nice is that this is an achievement of humankind, right? It's the apex of our civilization. We are able to care and provide a meaningful life for those individuals for a longer period of time. And for that to happen, we need a lot of care coordination. We need a lot of people involved. And I don't have part of that team. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just take a step back for just a second. And would you explain to us, I found this really fascinating when we were talking, what is the state of oral or dental care for older adults today? And for instance, why does uh, Medicare not cover dental? That's a wonderful question, Beth, and um, thank you for asking that. Well, let's start with the first part of the question, right, which is what's the state of oral health for frail older adults now, currently? So now, when you look to any report, almost anywhere in the world, oral health for frail older adults, especially those more vulnerable. By vulnerable, usually we are talking about those who are living in long-term care institutions or are living still in the community, but homebound. So for those two groups, especially, oral health is always poorer if compared to their 
counterparts with same age, right? So for free older adults, especially those who really require a lot of help that we call the functionally dependent free older adults, those are the ones who usually you have poorer oral health. Well, Leo, what's poorer oral health? Well, poorer oral health means more cavities, more gum disease, more oral lesions of different kinds, including oral non-diagnosed, more advanced oral cancer lesions. Mm. That's what it means. Unfortunately, that population many times can't seek care for their own, right? I mean, they can't express pain, express discomfort because of their cognitive abilities. And many times, even if they can do that, they don't have the mobility because they have physical disabilities to seek care on their own. So as they are dependent on that, they become more exposed to, you know, not having a dental home of, you know, not having regular care. So this oral health among these groups usually poorer. Well, there are many reasons for that. Some are, as we said, related to the person. Right, related to the fact that the person has a disability that can, can impair cognition, that can impair mobility, that can impair access to care. There are barriers that are related to the profession, to us, dentists, that we don't have enough dentists that have the um, knowledge to care for that population because there are few dentists who had advanced training in, in that area. Some others are related to the social context, right? Which is the family being able to provide care? Is the institution providing the care, the oral health care among other necessary points of care? Is there a transportation for that uh, to, to bring them to, to the dental office? And finally, the finances. As we know, those families are usually under extenuating finances conditions, right? Financial conditions. Why is that? Well, because they need to provide all the other general care. They need to provide nursing care. They need to provide medications. They need to provide the a home institution. And as we know, in our health system model, dental care and dental insurance is related to employment. So for both our focus populational groups, I mean, free older adults and adults with special needs, employment usually is not part of the picture. So they don't have insurance, meaning that they would need to pay out of pocket for dental care. That's a huge barrier. Some states do provide Medicaid coverage for adults and free older adults, for adults with special needs and free older adults. However, that coverage is changes through state lines and changes also with the political winds, right? So that's another piece of the puzzle where you can start seeing a more important influence of the political landscape, of the social landscape into this specific type of care. So here in I, we are very fortunate to have a Medicaid program that covered adults with special needs and cover frail older adults and provides comprehensive dental care to those groups. So we, and we are a large Medicaid provider. So this is a very fortunate circumstance. 
However, even in a state that has this fortunate circumstance, reimbursement might also play a role. So, you know, some providers in the community may not take Medicaid patients because of the level of reimbursement rates, which is unfortunate and have multifactorial origin. But fortunately, here in the college, we are able to accept and provide comprehensive care for those patients. Now, why Medicare doesn't have dental coverage has also historical roots, right? When Medicare was established for people who would get to 65 first, not a lot of people will get to 65 at that time. So, you know, when the calculation was done, the the budget would be for a small fraction of the population that will get to that. Well, Currently, that has that trend has reversed. So, putting the budget under more pressure, and of course, adding anything to that already pressured budget is complicated. So, I think that's the root cause of it. But of course, you know there are where. Uh, how do people say when there is a will, there is a way, right? So, yeah, it all depends on on our society, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, this is just a perfect example to be able to talk about how we age within systems, and the policies and the legal structures around us affect how we age. This is just a perfect illustration of that. So, as we as you know, we've been talking about increased lifespan for many of us. So what do you see for those folks who are living into their late 80s, 90s, you know, centurions? What changes happen with within our mouths? Um, Very good question, Beth. Very good question. Because that has, at least we can answer this question in two main layers. Let's talk about the changes that happen without disease. And let's keep in mind that this is very rare, right? 90% of adults across the globe will experience caries, right? Cavities sometime in their lives, 90%, right? So it's the most prevalent chronic disease in the world, Hmm. Most prevalent chronic disease in the world. And I would add most prevalent chronic but preventable disease in the world. But we'll get there. So that's, let's take that out of the picture and say that the person was able to prevent caries and periodontal disease and is aging gracefully, systemic health-wise, same thing. They're being able to stay healthy and active and good diet and all that, what would happen is the teeth get more yellowish, right? So currently there is frenzy around whitening and doing all that, which, you know, we understand that's depicted this way in the media and all that. Older adults, we usually have naturally, you know, with Good aging, yellowish teeth as compared to themselves when they are when they were younger, right? Because the way it is, it becomes more yellow. Also, during our lives, we chew and we also grind our teeth every now and then during our lifespan. More, some people do it more. Some people do it don't do it as much, and but we will have some degree of attrition. So you're going to see a little bit of leveling of the teeth, right? Some, when that's a little bit more pronounced, you can also see kind of small lines in people's teeth, right? We call that crazy lines, right? They don't necessarily need treatment. 
They should be inspected by a dentist regularly, but most of the time they don't require any treatment, right? Uh, the gums can present with a little recession, meaning that a little bit of the root of the tooth can become visible, right? So that would also be seen as a normal result of aging. And our mouth skin will get a little bit more fat tissue. So we're going to see a, a little bit more small yellowish points in the mouth skin, right? But that's totally normal, doesn't bring any trouble and all that. So that's normal aging, right? Without disease. But what really happens is that people get cavities and then they need to extract teeth. And then there is also periodontal disease. Our diet is rich in sugar. Sugar is um, uh, the uh, food for the bacteria that would destroy the teeth. So what happens is people would, as they age, they are more exposed to those factors, and therefore they start losing their teeth. With losing their teeth, their bite starts to collapse. You're going to see, you know, the chin getting closer to the nose and reducing the, the height of this lower third of the face. So... When you look at people's profile, you're going to see that chin getting close to the nose, which in old times would be called, you know, well, in our jargon, we call it reduced vertical dimension. And that means that people start to get more wrinkles around the lips, especially this wrinkle here. And there is that really stereotypical old face, right, when that happens. And why it's more common to have that type of visual appearance when we age? Well, because it's more common to age with some oral health disease. It's okay. chill, okay. right? This cohort is changing it. Baby boomers are getting in droves at retirement age, and baby boomers will change that paradigm because what will happen is they will have most, if not all, of their teeth. Yeah, so as I'm aging, I, I share with you, I had I have my first cavity as a, at, the, at the age of 59. I almost, so I've joined the 90%, and I was so some things I've learned along the way, it was really shocking to me at the age of 26 to be in the dentist chair and for her to say, the hygienist to say, Beth, just so you know, when the dentist comes in, they're going to probably talk about you having braces. And I almost started to cry. I said, I've had braces twice already. And it was a planned two-phase thing. And she said, well, you, you, your jaw starts to, to, can start to retract, shrink in your 20s. So I did braces again for the third time. And so I'm a baby boomer who is aging and I wear a retainer. <laughs> Not every night, but most nights, you know, so you're pretty sure previous generations as we age didn't come to the dentist and say, can you clean this for me? <laughs> right. This is an awesome example of access to care, yeah. right? Yeah. It improved in a generation time, right? Yep. I mean, you were able to assess, uh, to access really, you know, a specialized care and letting alone having those frequent recall appointments with the dental hygienist, with an exam from a dentist every six months or every yes. year, right? That were able to keep your dentition for the whole life, of course, you did your part of it too, right? Controlling the diet, brushing your teeth, flossing and all that. But a lot of it has to do with fluoridation of the yeah, water, absolutely. right? Yep, yep. So we, we have that as a benefit to almost, you know, the entire population. And, and it, 
And you just highlighted how important it is to have access to care, right? To have access to the dentist, to have access to regular care. You had a dental home where you were a regular. The dentist know, you know, the dentist, you know, the dental hygienist, the dental hygienist know you, know your habits, know how to talk to you about, you know, changing habits to improve outcomes and all that. Unfortunately, you know, that's not evenly distributed in our society yet, as we were discussing. So, you know, many times what happens is that the poor, right, will not have that same level of access. So there is still a a trend where you can see that the people that now are getting old losing their teeth are only those with reduced economic means right i mean edentalism which is the which is losing all the teeth has become a restricted to some geographic areas mm-hmm. where poverty is more ingrained right yeah. so it, it, you know edentalism is rare among middle class and wealthy families, but is this too a thing among the poorest? And not even economic factor, but is there a relation? You know, I I know that there are many parts of the country, you said Iowa is one of these, where there are counties that don't have dentists. And so if people do receive dental care, they have to travel long distances. How does that affect the longevity and, and the health of those individuals who, who just don't even have access to, to dental care. Right. You know, Beth, you are absolutely right. That is another important factor. And this important factor is intertwined with the other one, right? right because right. usually the more affluent, as soon as, you know, families get more affluent, they will leave those areas where there is no care where there is no access to cultural, you know, things where there is no access to the goods and services that they are looking for. So, you know, they are intertwined, but of course they are intertwined in a bad way. They are intertwined in a good way. If we can provide those services, then it will be a drive, a driving factor for people to populate those areas and you know so we you know many times it can be a vicious cycle and if we take the right measures it can become a positive cycle and you know and then we can have that but auto health the private areas right areas where we don't have enough practitioners to provide care for the population are a real issue you know Those are dental deserts, if you will, Mm -hmm. right? Where people don't have a dentist. They need to drive one hour, maybe two, to get to a dentist. And when you look at frail older adults, those are more, those are even larger areas because, you know, to obtain the care that is age appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. They, their local dentists may not be able to do that. So they will need to travel even further yeah. to get that age appropriate care. So let's talk about some practical tips that you might have yes. for our listeners. What things should we be looking for that support us as we age in terms of our own, our own oral health? So for instance, should I be looking for different things in my toothpaste? Yes, you should. You should always be looking if your toothpaste has fluoride on it. That's by far and large the most important piece. So we need that fluoridization our entire lives. It's not just when we're kids. Oh, no. Beth, I'm so glad you said that because that's a very important misconception. No, that topical fluoride that we apply topically to our teeth, like the fluoride on the 
uh, in toothpaste, the fluoride on a rinse, even the fluoride that is in the water fluoridation. It is very important to have that throughout the lifespan because this is a dynamic process, okay? Our teeth will lose minerals and gain minerals from the saliva all the time. Mm -hmm. So if fluoride is there, they will gain fluoride from the saliva. Fluoride will strain your teeth throughout your lifespan. And then that fluoride that's strengthening now may be lost tomorrow, but then you have exposure to fluoride again, you regain it. So, you know, you need to keep that exposure all the time, forever. So, good question. Excellent point. So, the first and most important thing in a toothpaste is, does it contain fluoride? Okay. Everything else is less important than that. But of course, if you have sensitive teeth and would like to use a toothpaste that is desensitizing for you, like, you know, some people need, well, that's totally fine as far as it's desensitizing, but does have fluoride. Fluoride is the key ingredient there for us. And I would always say, you know, Find a toothpaste that you like the taste, right? A fluoridated toothpaste that you like the taste because then you are more likely to use it. Another important piece is a pea-sized amount. That's all we need throughout our lives, a pea-sized amount. We don't need that huge, <laughs> you know, amount of toothpaste in our toothbrush. Pea-sized amount. Okay. Another practical tip from you. What would you suggest? How do I establish a better relationship with my dentist so that I can be better supported in my future self? So I, I will be going to the dentist in two weeks. And for the last time, I will be telling them goodbye because they're no longer supported by my um, dental plan. So I'm going to be looking for a new dentist. I'm now over 60. Are there some particular things I should be thinking about in, as I'm looking for a new dentist in this period of life? You are an adult that is aging very gracefully, Beth, especially in regards to your health, thanks God, right, and your care, and also, you know, your uh, auto health, as you have pointed out earlier. So, uh, a general dentist in the community that, you know, a friend and the community regard as a good dentist will be a great fit for you. They will be taking good care of you. They would be able to do exams every, I would say, ideally every six months, have a cleaning and an exam, and every year get a few set of x-rays mm -hmm. just to keep things on check is all that you need. What we need to be very attentive is not as much as to persons with your characteristics, right. because although you are part of the majority, the real problems happen to people who were doing what exactly what you are doing and and having the care that you are receiving, but th then all of the sudden, they get a stroke, mm. or they are diagnosed with Alzheimer's, or they have a diagnosis of Parkinson, or they or, or they start having really. Uh, real issues with their hands because of arthritis, okay? Well, of course, people that would have those, those problems, they will not go to a dentist. They are going to go to the provider that will care for those issues, right? So especially, let's say, a stroke, they go to the emergency room, and then they, get, they will see a, a group of people, but usually led by a neurologist, right? And they will get all that care and all that. 
And there is a lot of things going on, right? Housing, finances, how they're going to do dressing, how they're going to do bathing, how they're going to do, you know, how they're going to take care of their daily lives. Well, and of course, one thing that falls through the cracks is the dentist, the dental appointments. Understandably, you know, they have a lot on their plates. They are doing a lot. But it would be awesome if the provider who, you know, is taking care of them, of course, there is a lot on their plates too, but they have a protocol. They're going to say, you need, you know, a, a week here in the hospital, then two, then two months in the rehab center, then you're going to need... Uh, physical therapy, uh, occupational therapy. At home, you need uh, to have those adaptations or this or that. But among this laundry list, there is no dental appointment in there most of the time. And that's a problem because it would be awesome if there is one line there saying, (laughs) you know, as soon as possible, contact the dentist to see if a special oral health care prevention routine needs to be established. Because that person, of course, if the person is not able to take a shower, they probably are not also able to brush their teeth. But see, when you are in your routine, you may be like myself. You know, before I take a shower, I will brush my teeth. That's a daily routine. You know, I do that every day. So one thing triggered the other. Well, the person who had the stroke will not be able to have a say on that. And the person who is helping the person who had a stroke will not remember that. It's not, you know, they're busy enough trying to give them a shower. Letting alone, you know, being reminded that they need us to brush their teeth. But if they go to the dentist, we'll help them establish a routine for that. And it's a similar thing when they get a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. They will get a lot of tips about different things, especially, you know, uh, ways to avoid them wandering around and all that, that can put their lives in at risk and all that. But maybe... If there is one line on that list to saying it would be great to contact the dentist to establish, you know, an auto hygiene routine for for your loved one. Great. They are going to do that, right? So they are going to go to the dentist. The dentist will be able to check out what the patient can do, cannot do, who can help, who cannot We'll figure that out among, you know, with the family, with the caregivers, and come up with a plan. A plan that may include, you know, instead of six months, rec- six month recalls, maybe three month recall, or maybe four, or maybe even the six. But they will be able to say, well, now instead of using any toothpaste that's fluoridated, you're going to use a high fluoride toothpaste that's a prescription one that we were going to prescribe for you. Uh, Once a day or once every other day, whatever, you know, the need Mm -hmm. is, please check on mom to see if she is brushing at the time she's supposed to be doing it. Please check the amount of toothpaste that has been used after a week. Right or or please remind mom in the evenings to brush uh, her teeth. You know, and then you start. The dentist will be able to provide a nice, straightforward way to keep track of it. That can be, you know, night and day as having a no problems with oral health on top of all the other issues or having. Auto health as, you know, a big problem on top of all the other problems. So the key in our profession, in my profession, that is prevention. Yeah. All the most important 
dental diseases by far, which is caries first, periodontal disease second, they're preventable. They can be prevented. So what do we need to think about then in terms of when a loved one has to go into a nursing home for long-term care? Does the dentist come to the skilled community? Oh, Beth, (laughs) now (laughs) you touch the nerve. <laughs> this is this is a really good question, Beth. Que- the answer for that is yes and no, meaning that some dentists in the community will come to nursing homes and will do some care. Some other dentists will have an arrangement with the nursing home, and the nursing home will transport mm-hmm. people to their facilities. Yeah, but most common than not. The nursing homes will have a dentist on file because that's mandatory, okay? But they will not have a regular procedure. They will not have a regular routine for two things. They will not have a regular routine for dental care. Many times, nursing homes don't have a regular routine for auto hygiene. Hmm. And they also don't have a, regular routine for auto health care, meaning, you know, bringing residents to the dentist regularly for regular checkups. So when you are looking at a nursing home for a mom or dad to reside, it would be really good if you can ask, what is the dental plan? What is the usual regular routine? Mom, has Alzheimer's, she will not be able to brush on her own. Would the nurses help? Have then been trained, right? Mom will need to see the dentist more often than another per than a, a, a person that doesn't have Alzheimer's, right? A person that doesn't have dementia. So, would you guys be able to bring mom every four months to the dentist? He this per- and then contact mom's dentist too and say, hey, who does that, Beth? Who does that? That that doesn't happen, yeah. right? Contact mom's dentist and say, hey, doctor, you have been mom's doctor for those many years. Now mom's going to a nursing home. I want to tell you that. How can we keep her dental care? Do you want me to bring her? Do you, are, do you have an arrangement with a nursing home? Or do you want to refer me to someone who does? Mm-hmm. You know, ask the question. Be the advocate for your loved one, right? Ideally, you should not have to because, you know, ideally the system should be such that the provider, the medical provider will give you the guidance, yeah. right? The nursing home will give you the guidance, but reality is it usually doesn't happen. So, and also, and mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, right? I mean, also the dentist should be, well, you know, Mr. has not been here for an appointment in a year. He was a regular. Let's call him. And if he doesn't answer the phone, let's talk to his wife or his daughter or, you know, because many times they are all patients. Mm -hmm. Okay? Of course, you should not break HIPAA concerns there, but you might be able to ask, you know, is there something going on? And most of the times people will be upfront, will say, oh, yeah, I know. Mr. So-and-so has had a stroke, oh my gosh, would be wonderful if he come for a visit because it's really important to prevent auto health issues from happening, you know? So the dentists also play a role in not having establishing routine care. This has just been a great conversation and we are going to continue on another podcast. So I'm going to bring this one to a close. Thank you so much, Leo. The it, you know, I before 
we had our conversation. I had never even thought about, I'm sorry, about dentistry in terms of how it affects longevity. And there are just so many other questions I could ask. We could, we could talk for a very long time. But as we bring this to a close, there are a couple of questions that we ask um, our podcast guests. So I'm going to ask you a couple of them now. You ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Hopefully. Okay. When you think about how you have aged, what do you think has changed about you or grown with you that you really like about yourself? Oh, gosh. It's hard to tell about, to talk about ourselves, isn't it? But mm -hmm. let's try. I think the, the thing that I like most about aging is that we, as we age, we can accumulate experience. And there are certain things, there are certain topics and certain matters, certain themes that you can only really learn about and understand fully with experience, by, by having that experience, by passing through that circumstance, by being there in that moment. Even if you read a lot, even if any, even if you study a lot, still nothing will replace that experience learning that you know that only happens with aging. So I hope that I was able to get as much as possible from all those experiences, and I know, and I now know better how to deal with those sets of circumstances. So I think maturing in that regard is a very good thing that comes with aging. Nice. Okay, here's the, here's the last question for you. What has surprised you the most as you have aged about yourself? Oh my gosh. What? Well, it, it really struck me some changes in my body in my physical form in the some you know conditions that are due to repetitive movements and so are related with time right that mm -hmm. will not be a thing for a 25 year old uh, but are a common thing for a 50 year old those are the things that we don't think about when we are 25, 30, but now they can impact my routines. And when that happens, that struck, that really gets me, you know. And I, I would love to have been more thoughtful about them uh, when I was younger to either, you know, postpone the consequences of it or avoiding entirely the consequences of it. And that now I need to deal with them medically. And thanks God, medicine has evolved and we have wonderful physicians that can help us. But yeah, that is the part that I, I think to some extent could have been prevented or at least, as I said, could have been postponed, but are not as pleasant, I would say. Well, as we say, aging is cumulative. And so... Oh, right. And back to your first answer, there are just some things we don't know until we are older. And Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but for sure, aging is better than the alternative. Exactly. That I can tell for sure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you, Leo, and thank you to our listeners to, for listening to this episode of The Art of Aging, part of the Abundant Aging podcast series with United Church Homes. And we want to hear from you. What's changed about you as you've aged? Uh, what, what's changed about you that you love? What surprised you the most? I invite you to visit us at www.abundantagingpodcast.com to share your ideas. You can also give us feedback when you visit the Ruth Frost Parker Center website at www.unitedchurchhomes, all one word, .org, backslash, Parker, dash, center, backslash. And when you check out that website, if you're still listening to this in the month of September, 
check out our symposium, which will be happening on October 6th, where we will be talking about how dis- how to dismantle ageism. And Leo, tell us again, where can people find you? And tell us about the organization, uh, the special special care dentistry. Yes. Well, first of all, I want to express my gratitude to you, Beth, for the wonderful questions, for welcoming me to the podcast and to your wonderful team that are behind the scenes making this happen. So thank you uh, a lot for that. Thank you for our listeners, right? We, you, the listeners, you are the reason for us to be here. So thank you for listening. Anyone can find me at the University of Iowa College of Dentistry and Dental Clinics. I am the chair of the Department of Preventive and Community Dentistry. My email is leonardo marchini M-A-R-C-H-I-N-S-N-A-V-I, at U, university, right? uiowa.edu. Um, please, if you have any questions or concerns, you can direct the questions to me. And if I cannot, that can be cut later. I want to make a really quick pitch. Uh, we are fundraising for the Geriatric and Special Needs Clinic here at the University of Iowa College of Dentistry and Dental Clinics. We have a very lofty goal of raising money to improve even further our operations and being able to perennially forever take care of the population that we that we care for. So if you are inclined to donate to this cause, please do not hesitate to contact me and I will connect you with the University of Iowa Center of Advancement who would be collecting donations of any size so thank you very much thank you thank you very much leo blessings